We're going to try that good morning one more time. Good morning. Now, um, where, I, where I like to try to have a little silliness, um, this morning is going to be a little on a sadder note. Um, and many of you already know this. Um, uh, but we learned this past week that Sue Crick passed away. Um, she had been part of our church um, family for many years. Uh, she was born in... Uh, December of 63 in Sitka, Alaska. Uh, she moved to Washington when she was a young girl, spent most of her life, uh, in most of her childhood life, uh, right on the ocean, and then settled in Yakima, uh, where she became uh, part of our church family. Um, she loved children and was a vital part of our children's church program for a number of years. I should say to the extent that she was actually here three to five days a week, all day. Uh, so she was very highly committed to the children's program, to the Wednesday night Little Grapes program, you know, and so forth. She was a big part of all that. One of her great joys in life was fishing. <laughs> so um, uh, she helped uh, Teresa back in the day um, start fishing with uh, uh, Uncle Rod. <laughs> uh, and it, uh, it turned into an annual event there for a few years, and she was definitely the resident expert. Um, she always had a love for animals, and for those of you who ever visited her uh, uh, apartment, she had many of them. <laughs> um, she loved to help in the community. Um, uh, she helped at animal shelters, but she also uh, helped uh, here at the church and at Sunrise Outreach quite a bit, uh, especially in the food bank. Susan will be terribly missed by family and friends and a number uh, who were close to her here. Uh, she had a sweet nature, even though she struggled with the ever-present chronic health issues uh, she courageously fought through. Uh, in fact, uh, she was an example to some of us of courage and love. She will be missed. So I thought, I think I'm on. I'm on. Um, I thought we would take a moment and just pray for Sue's family um, and those of us who um, were close to her. Uh, so let's, let's just take a moment. Lord Jesus, um, we know our friend Susie's in no more pain, and that she's in your arms, and that she's whole, and she's well. And I have little doubt that she's doing sprints right now with you, God. <laughs> Lord, um, I know how deeply she loved you, and she loved her church family, and she loved... Um, in particular, as Dave said, our kids. She just had such a heart for our, our, our young people. And Lord, she will be dearly missed. So Lord, would you be near her family, Jesus? Would you be close to them, God? Lord, would they be able to feel your loving arms around them? Lord, I ask that your peace, Jesus, would rest with them as they're going through this time of missing their Susie. And us, God her friends, 
her church family. Lord, she will leave a, a suicide hole for a while, God. But Lord, I, um, I thank you that this is not the end, that she's on a grand new adventure. And before too long, we'll meet up with her. And Lord, maybe we'll do those sprints with her, Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for her life. We thank you for how much she loved other people, God. And Lord, may we, she be an example to us of how to love others, Jesus. Amen. Um, in a little bit, I also, I, um, many of you know our friend uh, Billy Jean is in the hospital. I stopped by there this morning, and she recorded a little message she wanted to share with you guys. So I'm going to play that a little bit later. But I thought we would take this opportunity. We're doing communion this morning. And one of the incredible things for us, those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ, is that this life is not the end. This is not it. Because of Christ's sacrifice, because Jesus' body was broken on the cross, that his blood was shed for us, we get to see our friends again. And we've lost a few of them in the last couple of years who are dear to us and who we love. But you know what? We're going to get to hang with them again. We're going to get to see them again. This life is a blink compared to the eternity that we're going to have together with them. And so we get to have hope. We can have hope in that. Um, there, there was one night this week um, uh, when I was up with Billie Jean where she was in a pretty bad place. And we weren't sure she was going to be with us. She still had hope. And let me tell you this super quick story before we get to communion. She's laying there having a really hard time breathing, um, just really struggling with her pain level was really bad. This was on Tuesday. Just really struggling. And a new nurse came in. And with every new nurse that comes in, Billie Jean meets them. She lets them take care of her. And then she says this, can I pray for you? Every single one of them. And so this little, this, no, this one was Noah. Noah came in. His, the nurse's name was Noah. And Noah came in. Noah was a great nurse, awesome guy. Um, and she takes his hand. And she says, Noah, I have a question for you. He's like, yeah. She says, can I pray for you? Now, this sweet little gal, Billie Jean, laying there, she's super pale, struggling to breathe. There's not a lot to her on this Tuesday night. There's no one in there who she's going to ask to pray for who's going to tell her no. <laughs> and she's leveraging this for all she's got. <laughs> and so she starts praying this beautiful blessing on Noah. She's like, Lord, um, I just ask that you would bless Noah. I ask that you would be with him. I ask that he would know how much you love him and how much I love him. And, and Lord, I just ask that Noah would feel your presence. And, and God was in the room. God was there. You could sense the Holy Spirit with us. Um, and lots of people who were coming in there throughout this week that we've been up there have remarked how her room feels different than the other rooms. 
because there's been a lot of people praying there, and there's been a lot of Billie Jean in there, who she, her presence brings love and joy. And that comes from, the source of that is Jesus Christ. The source of that is God. That they sense a difference when they walk into her room. And there have been so many people of faith in there and through there, and it has permeated the atmosphere of where she's at. And even people who don't necessarily maybe recognize Jesus can feel it. They can sense it. They can sense it in the room. And that's because of Jesus. That's because Jesus' body was broken on the cross for us. That's because Christ chose to shed his blood for us. That these people can sense God and feel God because of Billie Jean's faith and the faith of those who have been with her. And so this morning I wanted to read the scripture from Luke. And we're going to stand up and we're going to take communion together. And we're going to remember the great sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. One of the very few things that Jesus asked us to do. Like came flat out and said, do this. Was he said, do this in remembrance of me. So it's important. And as you approach the communion table this morning, I want you to to understand the importance of it, the, the weight of it. Not a bad weight, the good weight of it. The value in remembering all that Jesus did for us. So in Luke 22, 19 through 20, and he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. So I'd like everyone to please stand. We're going to take communion this morning. You don't have to. This is not mandatory. If you're not in a place where you feel like you can take communion, that's totally okay. It's totally okay. But I'm going to pray over the elements. I'm going to ask God to bless them. And then for those of us who follow Christ and believe in him, I'd ask you to come forward and take a little piece of the bread. The way we do it here is we take a little piece of the bread and we just dip it in the juice. And then we hold it, and we're going to take it together as a family, as in a sense of community. So let me bless these elements. Lord Jesus, we give this bread to you. We give this grape juice to you, Lord God. Lord, we ask, would your Holy Spirit infuse it with your presence? Lord, as we take this, Lord, let us remember the great sacrifice that you made for us. That, Jesus, we get to have hope because of what you did on the cross. That you died for our sins. That you paid the price for us. That you were the lamb who was slain for our sake. Lord, we can never say thank you enough. We can never have enough gratitude to match the enormity of what it is you did on the cross, Jesus. But Lord, I ask that you look at our hearts and that you would accept our simple thanks and our simple gratitude, Jesus. And Lord, we recognize, we remember, and we acknowledge all you did for us on the cross, Jesus. So Lord, bless these elements in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I encourage you to come forward. 
Go ahead and take communion. If you just hold it until we'll take it all together, I'd appreciate that. Oh, and over in the West Sanctuary, that one's gluten-free if you have a gluten intolerance. Others may partake of the gluten-free bread, but if you have a specific intolerance for gluten, we provided that one over there. And yes, I make this joke every month, just like at the Last Supper. <laughs> it never gets old, you know. I've got to have the dad jokes. <laughs> or I have to turn in my dad card. And I don't want to turn in my dad card. Oh, the depths of your mercy. The saints are And the waves of forgiveness, your blood that covers me is pouring out, pouring out. Oh. bread and we take this grape juice Lord God and we remember what you did for us Jesus we thank you Lord Steve, I'm going to borrow this for just a minute, for 26. So I'm going to play you guys this real quick, this little uh, thing from Billie Jean so I don't get in trouble with her because she will let me know. She will ask me if I did it. Okay. Um, hold on. Okay. All right, Steve, I'm going to go. Hello. Vinny Christian Fellowship, this is... Coming at you from uh, Memorial Hospital, <laughs> who you might not know if this is who it is, but this is Billie Jean Newell, <laughs> and I just want to know that I love and appreciate appreciate each and every one of you for everything that you've ever done for me, and for loving me for who I am, and you guys are a major part in my life. 
have a great, 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 great Sunday and know that you are in my heart and life forever. Love you, love you, love you. Uh, and then she was like, well, what do I say next? <laughs> I, I told her, Billie Jean, uh, we'll take care of that in edit. <laughs> so just know that she really does appreciate all of you and everybody who's been praying for her and looking after her. Um, I have to tell you, um, I'm not going to go too deep in the weeds on this, but um, uh, the way um, Kim Carter in particular has been an absolute hero um, and for Billie Jean and just has been taking care of her long before this moment of crisis, um, has been looking after and caring for her. And I'm not just saying this because she's my sister. Um, she's been Jesus with hands and feet to, to Billy. Um, and a number of you guys, Sydney has spent multiple evenings, spent the night with her, so Billie Jean wasn't alone. All of you who've gone up and visited, people helping her with her lunch, so others of us could take a break. Just a, a number of you guys have been there helping her and caring for her. And I want you to know that you have been a witness for Jesus Christ to her family. And her it was really cute this morning. I went up there this morning before I came here because I promised Billie Jean I would record something for her to share to you guys because she wanted to tell you how much she appreciated you and how much she loved you. But I was up there this morning, and she's like, you have to go online. Okay, I'm like, all right, Billie Jean, I have to go. Why do I have to go online? And she's like, you have to go online because my brother, who she, they haven't been real close for a while. Um, and she, uh, she didn't think he was actually going to come see her all week. And then he surprised her yesterday and was a really big deal for her. But her brother came. And um, he's so appreciative of how um, her church family has come around her and loved her and cared for her. And um, she's like, so you have to go on there because he went and he left you guys a five-star Google review. <laughs> and he said really nice things about you guys, how you've taken care of his sister, and how you guys are the way Christians should be. And, you know, like, she was just, like, saying all these things. I'm like, well, five-star Google review. We better get more seats. <laughs> you know? But, I mean, it was just, it was like, you know, I, from my understanding from Billie Jean, he's not a person of faith, you know, doesn't really, um, you know, he's just not somebody who, who really has followed Jesus. Um, but so his, but like he wanted to show his gratitude. He wanted to show his appreciation. Um, and he wanted all of you guys to know. And so this was like a public way for him to say, thank you for being Jesus. Thank you for being Jesus to my sister. Um, and I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. And, and she was, she, she like was really like, um, excited to let me know <laughs> that her brother had gone and done this. And I loved it. Like, it was so sweet and beautiful. And I really, like, we really do appreciate that, um, uh, I guess, um, that he would think of us. Like, that. It, so you need to know that when you're acting like Jesus, it doesn't go unnoticed. That when you're following the Lord, when you're following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, that when you're acting like Jesus acted, people will notice, 
even if they don't recognize Jesus, even if somebody has never read Scripture, people know how Jesus should act, right? People know what Jesus should be like, even if they've never read the Gospel of John that we're going through, right? They have an understanding of the way Jesus should be. And so when we're like Jesus, when we're, when we're letting Jesus work through us, when we're being Jesus with hands and feet, you need to know that it is noticed. That we are, a, you know, Scripture says that we're a peculiar people. Um, most communities know, most groups of people know, most families know that strangers are not going to go and take care of somebody just because. That they're not going to have people showing up with food or helping clean their house or with people who aren't related by blood, right? Or spending the evening in the hospital with them or helping clean them or visiting them in the nursing home. And, and so when we're, when we're being Christ-like, um, St. Francis of Assisi once said, preach Christ at all times and only when necessary use words. Your very act of showing the love of God to others is the gospel. You are speaking Christ. Should we also tell them about Jesus? Yes. Should we also explain how he died on the cross for our sins and, and came to save us? Yes. But even without speaking a word, being Jesus to people, being Christ's hands and feet, you begin that conversation. And it's not with this end in mind, we do it because it's what Jesus would do. Matter of fact, Jesus even showed up at one guy's house after he was already dead and took care of that. Right? <laughs> we're reading about how Jesus healed a blind man. When we're bringing healing, when we're bringing love, when we're bringing comfort, when Jesus says in the certain on the mount, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's part of our mission. That's part of our job. That's part of what God calls us to do is to bring comfort and care and love and be like Jesus. So, like, I hope you hear this this morning. Be like Jesus. Just be like Jesus. Just be like Jesus. Like, like if that's the only theology you ever, like, really cement in your heart and your head is be more like Jesus, you're on a good – that's, like, a really good place to begin. That's like a really good place to kind of start on your path is being like Jesus. I, I know it was kitschy for a while, but there were all those bracelets and T-shirts of everything of what would Jesus do. Even though it got played out, it's still a really good question. What would Jesus do? In this circumstance, in this moment, in this person's life, how would, how would Jesus respond to them? How would Jesus be with them? All right. That was a bigger, that wasn't like just a rabbit trail. I think that was like a pack of rabbits, but that's okay. We're going to jump in. So this week we're finishing up chapter 9 of John. We've been going through the Gospel of John, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So this week we're in John 9. We're going to be going through verses 25. I'm starting back. I ended on 25 last week. I'm jumping back in on 25, and we're going to be going through 41. So starting off. The blind man, if you remember last week, was healed. The Pharisees were questioning him, trying to figure out what happened. And they really wanted to nail Jesus. They were really after anybody who was a follower of Jesus. 
who was saying that Jesus was Messiah. So the blind man said this after being healed, and this is the setting the scene. The blind man is standing before the Pharisees. They're judging his healing. They're trying to determine where Jesus is. They can't find him, and they really want to. They ask, they speak to him. They're like, this Jesus guy's a sinner. How can this possibly have happened for him? The blind man replies, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? And here, he's being sarcastic. Do you want to become his disciples too? I, I know he's being sarcastic here. I can feel it. Like, because he knows that they're out to get Jesus, right? He knows that they want to kill Jesus. And so he's tweaking these guys a little bit. Dude's brave. Because the Pharisees and Sadducees at this time, they literally had the life and death over him. They could take him out of the temple into the front court and stone him to death. But Jesus opened his eyes. Jesus healed this man who was blind from his birth. I think something like that happening to you might give you a little bit of courage, right? Like, I was blind my whole life and now I can see. So what if they kill me? I've had a miracle. Like, I've had a legitimate miracle. I was blind from birth and now I can see. Earlier in the chapter, they brought his parents before him, and they asked them to testify, hey, are you sure this is your kid? Right? They're like, are you sure this is your son? And they're like, they're like yeah, but you're going to have to ask him about the healing because we don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> right? Because we don't want you to nail us. Don't nail us. But I love the sarcasm. Do you want to become his disciples too? If you've had your eyes opened by Jesus, you know it. Like, and no matter what somebody else says, they're not going to convince you otherwise. Like, when you have truly encountered the loving, saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you've, you've truly encountered God in a real way, it doesn't matter how many questions you have thrown at you. It doesn't matter how much someone else might doubt. It doesn't matter how many figures and statistics or or issues or things that are thrown at you. When you've really, truly had an encounter with God, it sticks. Like, it stays, it stays with you. It's really hard to get rid of. Really hard to get rid of. This guy was kind of a simple guy, right? I mean, he, he'd been blind since birth. He was a beggar. He sat on the side of the road and asked for help. Um, he was just a simple, honest man. But I love that he was able to hold his own against these teachers of the law. He stood up in front of them and was like, I'm not going to back down. Like that Tom Petty song, I won't back down. He wasn't going to back down. And no matter how much they came against him, he wasn't going to back down. He's like, no, Jesus healed me. God healed me. How can I refute that? How can I, how can I deny that? They brought his parents in. He still stood strong. And then he, I think, was getting annoyed with them, so he started getting sarcastic with them, right? He just he didn't have any fear. His fear was over. He encountered Jesus. 
And it changed him. It changed him forever. No fear. It says that they reviled him. That they reviled him. Which means insulted him. Mocked him. Spoke against him. I found often this is the last resort of those who don't want to hear the truth. Mock the person who's bringing it. I can't really like argue with what you're saying because what you're saying is true. So if I like insult you or demean you or mock you, then I like I'll just make you so mad at me that you'll respond badly, and then I can say, see, hypocrite. See, person who isn't acting like Jesus, see, right? Or like if I can categorize you into this category of you're a bad X, Y, or Z, um, I can just ignore you. I'll mock you. I'll make you say what you think and feel and how you how you understand Jesus to be. I'll just I'll put you in this box, and then we already know everybody in this box. It's worthless what you say, so I'll just put you in that box, and then I don't have to listen to you anymore, right? There's nothing to be said for my side. So let's just abuse the guy who had his eyes open. Let's just mock and revile the blind man who had his eyes open. Because if I've decided that he's stupid and that he's worthless and that he's clueless and that he doesn't know anything, then I can ignore what he has to think or say. Because I've categorized him. I've tagged him. Hashtag idiot. Right? Like, I can just put him in that category. And that's what they were doing with him. Because they couldn't face the truth that Jesus might actually be the Messiah and he may have actually come from God and healed this man. They didn't want to face that. So instead they mocked the messenger. Let's continue on. Verses 28 through 30. Then they hurled insults at him. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The blind man answered. Now that is remarkable. Again, a little bit of sarcasm. Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Can the devil heal? No. Can the devil heal a man blind from birth? He cannot. Only God can do that. So how is it that you're questioning where this man comes from? You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eye. He was like, this guy was dumbfounded. He's like, this Jesus divinely healed my eyes, but you can't seem to recognize that he might have come from God? How many times does this happen with us? That there are real and true, legitimate miracles that happen in our lives. And we miss it because of our preconceptions. We miss it because we don't notice. You know, literally, especially in the last couple of years, I've come to recognize that every freaking breath I draw is a miracle. The fact that I have a world around me that God created for me is a miracle. The fact that I have like a family, a wife and a son who love me and and nieces and nephews and a mom and a dad. I mean, that I have, I was listening to this, this priest once. He was talking about how he was like, he was saying, I don't really always understand like you evangelicals, you always like ask God to bless the food. He's like, 
you should be blessed that you have food. Like the very fact that you have food in front of you means it's already blessed and that you're already blessed because there's so many people who don't have any food. This food's already blessed, and so are you. I was like, huh, he's not wrong. <laughs> like, he's not wrong. But, like, the preconception of, like, I have food in front of me, therefore I am blessed. That's a mir- it's a miracle that I, I have food in my fridge because there's so many who don't. And, and early on when, when Kim and I were, were young, uh, I was probably 19 and she was 18, somewhere around there, um, she and I lived together in this really, like, postage stamp of a house. Our whole home was the size of the coffee bar. And that's not rhetorical. That's legit. Like, it was that big. She had the bedroom. I slept on the couch. And the couch faced the kitchen, which was, like, basically a, a counter that had a stove and a sink. And the bathroom didn't even have a shower. It was just a t- I mean, it was just this tiny little place. And we, my sister and I, we had nothing. Like, we, we had dirt nothing. And... Um, I lived on those Totino pizzas, you know, and since the stove didn't really work, it was there. It just didn't work. Um, I would microwave the Totino's pizzas, and, like, we started figuring out, like, the best way, you know, you got to put paper towel under them, some moisture, and, like, you know. So we lived on Totino's pizzas and those little um, those little pot pies, chicken pot pies, because you could get, like, two for a dollar. So that, you know, two for a dollar, that's, that's a lot of food for a buck, you know. <laughs> and the Totino's pizzas were, like, 69 cents. And, like, that's, like... That's how we lived. And, you know, since then, as I've gotten older and, um, you know, life's changed a little bit. And most of you know that I love to cook and I like to cook. And so, like, you know, I'll, I'll get, you know, a, a rare ingredient or, you know, I'll get saffron from the Middle East and make saffron rice or something. And, you know, like things like it's different. But that doesn't mean that I've forgotten when I was young where I was. And, and how I lived and what it was like to be hungry most of the time. I, I haven't forgotten that. And I can recognize the miracle that I have food in front of me. It's a miracle from God. So don't let your preconceptions of, you know, well, uh, I, I, I should have this. I expect this. This is where I'm at in my life. Don't, don't let, like, recognize the beautiful sunrise. Breathe the fresh spring air. Smell the cut grass. Enjoy the laughter of your child. Because it changes when they turn 13. No, I'm... <laughs> and they know more than you do. Uh, no, I mean, just, you know, it's, I mean, like, you stop and recognize the blessings and what God has given you. Don't miss the miracles. Let's continue on. Verses 31 through 34 says this. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this, the Pharisees replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? I mentioned last week what this refers to is that the Jewish culture believed that if you had a malady, you were born deaf, you were born blind, you were born with a deformity, that it was due to sin. Either the sin of your sin or the parent's sin, that you had that deformity because of sin. And so that's why they're saying you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And then they threw him out. Again, 
I don't want to hear your truth. Get out. <laughs> we don't need that here. Love this quote. In the land, of, some of you have probably heard it before. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. These blind Pharisees could not stand the man who could see. Even though he was not a teacher of the law, even though he could never read Scripture and memorize it the way that, he, that they did, even though he was not a man who was high in the culture and respected, he knew too much for them because he had encountered the living God who is Jesus Christ. He had encountered the Messiah, and he had knowledge and understanding that they did not have by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they couldn't stand it. And it made them a little bit crazy. And they didn't know what to do with him. So they just kicked him out. Because I don't want to hear what he has to say anymore. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. Going to verse 35 and 30 through 37. Jesus heard they had thrown him out. And so when he found them, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. This blind man is one of the first people that Jesus revealed himself to. A guy who was a blind beggar from birth, who had no place in the culture, who was the lowest of the low in their culture. He was a beggar on the side of the road. He was the guy living on the street that you walk by. You go to the other side of the street so you don't have to be near them when you're grocery shopping. That's the guy, one of the first people that Jesus revealed himself to. Because the Lord God sees no difference between him and the President of the United States or the Pope or uh, Captain of Industry, Bill Gates, or whatever. Jesus recognizes the value in him just as much as he does in me or any of those guys. They're just as valuable to him, and they're just as important to him. And so Jesus did not care that this man was low in their culture. He revealed himself as God to him. We should all take note of that. Jesus reveals himself. Can we make Jesus be the center of our lives? Can we allow God to draw us into fellowship with him? As believers, even those of us who have known Jesus our whole lives, we need to be open to hearing this good news over and over and over because we have a tendency to lose Jesus. We have a tendency to forget about the good news of Jesus Christ. We have a tendency to just go on with our lives and we go to work and we do our thing and we watch Netflix and play our Xbox and we have our meals and we hang out with our friends and we have a good time and we forget about the good news of Jesus Christ. We might even be here every Sunday at church and forget about Jesus because we're just doing the thing, right? Let us never lose sight of Jesus. Let us never forget about the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's make it fresh over and over and over. No longer how long you've been following him, don't stop. Keep going.
Sometimes this stuff happens, right? We get burned out. We get overworked. We're exhausted, tired, stressful. We have crisis in our lives. We're emotional, anxiety, depression, negativity. Maybe we've had a bankruptcy. Maybe somebody cheated on us. There's lots of different things that have happened, right? Like that happened in our lives. And sometimes when, when stuff's just so overwhelming, it's really easy to lose sight of God. It's really easy to just get stuck in that downward spiral of emotion. I have probably mentioned it on a Sunday before, but there's this thing I like to call emotional sadomasochism, where it feels good to feel bad. If that makes any kind of weird sense, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever struggled with this, where like you're feeling sad and you're feeling this depression and you're feeling this kind of dark thing and there's almost a an enjoyment to those dark negative feelings. It almost feels good to feel bad, which is why I refer to it as emotional sadomasochism. Like there, there's almost like engaging with those negative feelings. There's almost like I, I, I like I deserve to feel badly, and that feels good. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's ever wrestled with that. But it's not of God. The Scripture says, "Think on these things: that which is true, that which is right, that which is pure, that which is holy, that which is beautiful, that which is good." Think on these things. And none of those meet that criteria. None of those things meet that criteria. Can we learn to not lose sight of Jesus? Going back to what I was saying before. Can we learn to keep our focus on Christ, even in the midst of all this? Even when you're feeling burned out? Even when you're feeling stressed? Even when you're frustrated? Can we, can we learn to keep our eyes on Christ? And draw strength from him. It says that when we are weak, he is strong. So at your weakest point, at the moment where you're struggling the most, that's when we need Jesus the most. That's when we need the Holy Spirit to step in and give us the strength that we don't have on our own. Because I don't know about you guys, but I can't make it in life without Christ. Like, I, I need him. I I'm not strong enough. My character is not enough to make it through this life without Jesus. I need Christ's character to come in and, and support mine. Because mine's just not good enough. I know left to my own devices the kind of person I am. And it's not pretty. And it's not good. And really, like, if I'm being super honest, it's not even anybody anybody would want to be around without Christ in my life. Um. Yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. Work, family, friends, entertainment, just, you know, that general busyness that's part of our culture. Sometimes it's really hard to find Jesus, right? Like to just stop. I want to stop a moment. And just, uh, I feel like the Holy Spirit saying something. So, um, 
Can I have everybody, um, would you guys close your eyes, please? And just close your eyes and bow your heads. Um, Holy Spirit, come. I feel like there's there's a few of you in here who you're like, I don't even know how to slow down or stop enough to hear God. I don't even know how to slow the racing thoughts that are in my head, even right now as Dusty's speaking in this moment. I don't know how to slow those things down enough to hear what God's trying to say to me. And so, Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, would you make a space for us to hear you? Lord, could you create a a holy sanctuary in this moment? Jesus, where you can speak to us. Where, Lord, you can... Lord, would you meet us right here, right now, in this moment? Would you meet us, God? Lord, we give you room. There's a scripture that the Lord brought to my mind. And it's, um, I can't remember the address for it, but it's come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you my rest. So Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, would you bless these people with your rest? Lord, your spirit of peace that's here right now in this moment, Lord. Lord, may we encounter it again this week. Lord, may this not be the only moment where we encounter you this week. May not this morning at church be the only moment in this week where we experience the peace and the rest that you bring to us. So, Lord, I ask I ask a blessing over these people this morning, Lord God. Lord, would they find your rest? Would they find a moment to hear your small, quiet voice? Would you show us how to do that, God? Would you show us how to make space for you, Jesus? Amen. Um, That's not the end. It's just the Holy Spirit stopped me there, so we stopped. Try to try to listen. So um, continuing on in John 38 through 41, it says, The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees were there with him, which I found interesting. That stopped me for a moment. It's like as Jesus went and found this man, and started talking to him and revealing to him that he was God. And there were some Pharisees there. I thought that was kind of interesting. It, it, st- it struck me. Um, so some Pharisees who were there heard him say this and asked, 
what? Are, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. So if we've done something in utter ignorance, you would be comparatively guiltless. But if you've sinned against light and knowledge, see, these were the teachers of the law and Scripture, and yet they missed the very subject that it was intended to show them, the Messiah. Like, all of their focus was on Scripture, and like their whole lives were surrounded by their by the Jewish religion and rituals and studying God's word. And, and like they literally had the whole scripture memorized, each one of these guys. And yet when it came down to it, they completely missed the subject of what it was they were studying. How many times do we do this too? I know I've done it. I can raise my hand. I can raise my hand and say, I, Jesus, I've studied scripture. I follow you for most of my life. And sometimes I still miss you. Sometimes I still don't see you even when you're standing right in front of me. I still miss you. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Jesus. But Jesus is saying here that they were willfully blind. Like, like I don't even want to see this. So I'm going to mock the messenger. I'm going to cast people out. I'm going to just say Jesus was a sinner. Like, they were choosing to be blind. Um, in 1 Samuel... I decided to do a little bit of a, a, some digging around here in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel, it says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Proverbs 16.2 All the ways of man are clean in his own sight. But the Lord, the Lord weighs the motives. Jeremiah 17.10, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. I've personally found, as we've been going through this particular chapter, many challenges to my own thinking. <laughs> and my own patterns of behavior. And I think my lifelong struggle is probably going to be answering this question. Can I look past the surface? Can I look past the exterior of my fellow man and instead be like God and look to the heart? It's not easy. There's some things that just really tick me off. <laughs> there are some things that make me really mad. There are some things that people do that frustrate me to where I just want to get in their face and tell them what, exactly what I think of them and where it is they should dwell. And sometimes they're actually like following God, doing the very things that make me so mad. They're actually following God. They're actually doing what it is that their heart is driving them to do, and it makes me crazy. You can all be incredibly grateful that Dusty is not God. <laughs> I'd probably be a little bit, little bit more like Thor, call down Mjolnir, some lightning, like, you know, like, 
smite all y'all who frustrate me, like, you know, or the guy driving in front of me. And, like, but God looks at the heart. It says all through those scriptures, he doesn't look at the exterior, that God weighs the motives. God weighs the mind. God weighs the heart. Don't be like these guys. Those are not the guys to model yourself after. For those of you who are younger, this is from a show called The Muppet Show. <laughs> these guys would sit in the balcony, much like my friends the Springers up here, and they would, <laughs> they would, they would like mock Kermit. Oh, my, my little Kermit the Frog. They would mock my friend Kermit the Frog, who, as we all know, it's just not easy being green. And they would mock him. That's not what God would do. Don't be like these guys. I think if we can quit labeling each other and judging one another on exterior issues, might we be able instead to look through the eyes of each other? And maybe through doing that, looking through someone else's eyes, seeing someone else's perspective, taking someone else's angle, we might be able to find the grace and mercy for each other that other times we might reject. There was this beautiful thing that happened. I'm not going to use anybody's names so you guys are safe. There was this beautiful thing that happened up at the men's retreat this last year. And there was a group of guys hanging around. It was after the evening session. And they started discussing politics. And we're already discussing religion because, like, it's a church camp, right? So religion and politics, both, boom. Right? Both, like, kind of scary things, right? To talk in any kind of group. But what happened, now, I, I had gone to bed. I couldn't quite sleep yet because people were being loud downstairs. I, I'm going to admit, I'm that old guy who, like, you know, 10 o'clock rolls around, and I'm just done. Like, I don't, I'm old. I just, I, I don't stay up late. I wake. Now, if you want something done at 6 a.m., I'm your guy. Like, if you need something done early in the morning, I'm your dude. But, like, evening, no, I'm, I'm done. So I had gone to bed. But I could hear my friends downstairs talking, and they started discussing politics. And people were on different sides because you get any group of people. And you know what? Praise the good Lord Jesus Christ that we have enough space in our church that we can have people on opposite sides of the political spectrum, and we can still meet at the foot of the cross. And we can still be with Jesus. And we can still recognize that we're brothers and sisters in Christ and working together to bring the kingdom of God to bear on this world. Because it doesn't happen much outside of the church. People tend to gravitate to their little crew, right? Like, we all believe this, and we all believe this, and we all agree with this. But the kingdom of God is a unifying factor. The foot of the, at the foot of the cross, none of it matters. At the foot of the cross, the only thing preeminent is Jesus Christ. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? And so they were having this discussion. And they were on opposite sides. But they ended the discussion, like, able to hear each other, didn't necessarily agree, and that's okay. And we all still serve Jesus, and we all still go to church together, and it's, it's all okay. That doesn't happen a lot anymore. But because people were able to look through the eyes of each other, there was grace and mercy, even though there wasn't complete unity. And there doesn't have to be complete unity, especially, Lord, in politics. 
like, I mean, my brain wants to explode sometimes. And like, so there's, there's moments when I want to take this thing and throw it out a third story window because I get so frustrated. And then I'm like, you know what? All things pass away. The only thing eternal is Jesus Christ and our relationships with each other. So if these things are eternal, our love for each other and our communion with each other, and we're going to hang out in heaven together with each other, man, this stuff just does not matter. And what if I lived in Norway? Like, let's, let's not be so focused on the good old U.S. of A. What if I lived in Africa? Would I really care about, like, who was in what position for what state or who voted? I wouldn't care. I'm enjoying the scenery of the African savanna, and I'm meeting Jesus there. And so it doesn't matter what Jim Bob in, in South Dakota thinks about whoever's running for president. Who cares? Jesus is Lord. He's the only one on the throne. Jesus, Jesus is ultimately king. And so my friends in Africa and me and people on different sides of the political divide and people who are believe different things, we're all under the headship of Jesus Christ. And we're all one under him. So we get to hang out together even if we don't believe the same things. And that's the beauty of God. That's, that's the beauty of Jesus. And that's the beauty of it where we can say, you know what, God, I don't believe with my brother or sister. I don't agree with my brother or sister. But, Lord, you judge the heart and you judge the mind and you judge the motives so I can leave them in your hands. And then we can walk away with clean ones because they're in God's hands, not mine. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but the last time I argued someone into changing their mind was never. Like it, just, it, has, it hasn't ever worked for me. <laughs> it just hasn't. Um, but loving someone into the kingdom, that works. Letting someone know that I love them, and God loves them, and I'm going to be there for them. There's this quote by Maya Angelou, and I'm going to mess it up, but it's something to the extent of people will generally forget what it is you say, but they'll never forget how it is you made them feel. And I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. I know it's true for my friend Billie Jean, who's been up in the hospital. She doesn't have the most eloquent of words. But she's touched the lives of every single nurse and aide who's come in there. And they remember how they made her feel. There's a few of them who have talked to Kimmy and I, and they're like, would it be okay if we got, we can't ask because it's against the rules, and, but would, would it be okay if one of you told us where she's going next so we can go visit her? It wasn't from eloquence. It wasn't from flowery words or deep theology. She loved them. She brought God's presence to them and prayed for them. And they were touched and changed and want to stay connected to her because of Christ's love oozing out of her. Let's pray. I need to end. i got to land this jet. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Lord, I thank you for meeting us here this morning. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Lord, I, I pray for each one here the same prayer that I pray for myself every day. Lord, each day... Every second of every minute of every hour of every day of every year of every decade, Lord God, would you make me more like you? 
Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit, that your presence would continue to mold me and change me and make me a better man than I am today. Lord, would you continue to shape my character to look more like yours? Lord, would you continue to weigh my heart and my mind? And Lord, would you, would you change it? Would you, would you form it into the way you want it to be? And Lord, would I be malleable? Lord, would I be able to be shaped by you? Lord, would I allow you to change who I am in the, into the ways you want me to be? Lord, would you show me how to get myself out of your way for what you want to do? And Lord, instead, put your kingdom ahead of my desires and my wants and my perceived needs. Lord, could I put your kingdom in front of those things, Lord God? Lord, may we all be submitted to you, Jesus. Lord, would you continue to show us your son, show us your spirit. Father, reveal yourself to us, God. Lord, we want to see you. We want to see you, Jesus. So, Lord, as we go through this week, God, would we continue to encounter you? And, Lord, would we carry you with us, Jesus? Change us, God. Change us, Lord. Amen. Um, thank you, guys. Um, we're going to continue into the Gospel of John next Sunday. I believe it's one of the most iconic scriptures in the Bible where it talks about Jesus being the good shepherd. So, yeah. And we have a special guest next week. Well, guest, but a special speaker who's not dusty next week. So come and get it. Oh, Mike, thank you. Because, yeah, Shauna reminded me, and then I got going and forgot. Before anybody goes, we, we forgot to take tithe today because we were just, you know, no, no, no. I forgot too, so it's, it's a dual thing. Could I have the ushers come forward, please? I'm just going to bless it. Lord, I um, ask that you bless our tithes and offerings. Um, Lord, just that uh, it would continue to advance your kingdom, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. Amen. All right, just we're going to do this real quick. Soon, so while they're doing this, I'm going to kind of give you guys a little heads up of where we're at. Um, Bob ordered a couple boxes. We're going to switch Sunday mornings to where we're not actually moving. We're not putting tithes, um, plates, buckets around. Um, we're going to encourage people to tithe online because most of us do anyway. That's how most of us do is push pay online. Um, but then we're going to have boxes in the back where you can just drop off your tithe and we don't have the, like, the plate thing moving around. So we're working on switching that. It's not that we won't have a physical place here where you can drop your tithe, you will. Um, it's just going to be some boxes at the back of the doors. So we've decided to make that change. It is coming. It has not happened as of this Sunday, though. So thank you, guys. Bless you all. Mike, thank you for the heads up. We'll see you next week.